welcome to the fifth episode of pot chat today we have professor tp singh with us so professor tp singh is a professor in the department of astronomy and astrophysics at tata institute of fundamental research mumbai he did his phd from tifr itself and postdoc from the international center for theoretical physics italy his main area of research is in quantum foundations and gravity he has over 100 publications and recently been very active in the field of aquons octonions and unification welcome sir thank you for joining in thank you thank you for inviting me thank you so sir let's start with a very interesting question so uh, how long have you been associated to the academia um i joined for my phd at the tata institute of fundamental research in mumbai in 1984 so we could count from there so that is about uh, 37 years and sir like uh, were you already planning to go in the academia what uh, what was the first time when you decided that okay i want to become a scientist uh, so i finished my 12th class from kendriya vidyalaya in ambala in 1979 and because a senior of mine had joined iit i was very influenced by him that yes somehow i also want to get into iit i did not know what i want to do in iit i wanted to get into iit and do engineering because we do engineering in iit so i went i got a rank of around 800 or something in je and i joined iit delhi because that was the closest to where my parents live in haryana that's why we chose delhi and uh, my rank uh, allowed me uh, chemical engineering it did not allow me you know the ha- more sort after branches like uh, electrical and computer science or mechanical so what was left for me was chemical engineering so very good uh, whatever is available you take i joined chemical engineering and uh, first two years those, those days uh, iit btech was five years and uh, first two years were common coursework at the end of which we had to choose uh, join our department which in my case would be chemical engineering so i did those uh, two years at the end of the second year i do not know what were the but uh, my interest shifted towards you know i wouldn't say physics to what you can call curiosity about the universe you know how did the main question was how did the universe begin uh, why was there a big bang so i must have read it somewhere or heard someone i don't remember why so i changed uh, i applied for a change to physics okay so i got it i got a chance to do a masters in physics integrated masters but uh, obviously my parents were not very happy my friends were also very surprised they said i'm taking a very wrong decision and i actually got scared i went back to the dean and i said can i change back to chemical engineering <laughs> they said no beta you know these decisions are not taken in such a light way your seat has gone to someone else <laughs> someone else has joined chemical engineering in fact from physics <laughs> okay <laughs> and i know that person i know the person she is doing well in life and interestingly she also came back to physics later <laughs> so that is how i landed in physics but i really enjoyed it may i maybe the introduction was through feynman lectures i might have come across through some seniors but those three years when i learned physics at iit delhi were really nice years because you know i got to read on my own by going to the library feynman lectures dirac's book on uh, quantum mechanics principles of quantum mechanics i had a good teacher who taught us the general theory of relativity another teacher taught uh, quantum theory and uh, introduction to quantum field theory 
they were good mathematical physics courses on group theory. So it was that way a very rewarding period where one learns with fascination. So that was uh, the whole period at IIT Delhi and in 79 to 84. And again, I, I was uh, emulating a senior, uh, this is Professor T.R. Seshadri, who you may know, he's a faculty at Delhi University in physics. In uh, 82, he came to TIFR for his summer program. I had never heard of TIFR. He came here for a summer project. Then again, it was like, oh, he went there. He <laughs> said, it is nice. So I will also go there. So, you know, you emulate your seniors. So 83, I came to TIFR for the summer project. I was fortunate they pre-selected me to join after one year for PhD. And uh, whatever little plans I uh, had to go abroad, I dropped because I really liked the institute. Professor Jain Narlikar was here and uh, Professor Padmanabhan was also here. They were already very well known. I did my summer project with uh, Professor Ajit Kembhavi in the astrophysics department. It was really a very vibrant atmosphere. And so they said, you can join us for PhD after one year. And also my parents were not well off that they can, you know, pay for my application fees and uh, my airfare to go to US. I did give the subject GRE, I, that far I went. But once I got TIFR, I said, you know, why bother to make all these applications? This is good enough for me. Now, whether that was the right decision or a wrong decision, a good or bad, Maybe we go through that uh, as we go through the rest of the interview. It, uh, definitely a very interesting experience and maybe all put together a correct decision to stay here. But those were for very, that's for very specific reasons. I don't want to imply that everyone should stay back. It's, it's very, very, very subjective. Maybe you, as we go along, we'll see the story. Well, that was your question. Right. How did I get into this? Yes, <laughs> accident. So when you were a child as a student in high school or uh, middle school, so that at that time, there were no plans to go pursue science. No, I remember. Okay, so that is very interesting. Depends on how you are brought up, where you are brought up. So I remember... Uh, I was seven years old uh, and at my grandmother's place in Khanna, Khanna, Punjab, you know, district Ludhiana. That's where I was born. Okay. So that is the 1969 July. And that is when, you know, this uh, Americans, NASA landed on the moon. Mm -hmm. So there was a, a radio broadcast announcing that man has landed on the moon. And I remember standing next to it glued. I was fascinated. It, it meant something to me. And I think that, that that for me was an indicator that these things are exciting, that there is something out there. Mm -hmm. And the other events, uh, it was very important for me. My father uh, was in the army. Now he has retired. So he was posted in Dehradun. So the cantonment there is called Clement Town. I think Clement in English or Clement, how you say it. It means a place with good weather, opposite of inclement or inclement, whichever. It was really beautiful. You know, there was a stream uh, uh, flowing through uh, the cantonment. There were uh, hillocks. There used to be lots of roses. It was very beautiful. So somehow that natural beauty really struck me that, you know, this is something very beautiful. So I would probably couple that to, you know, searching for beauty in nature in a more broad way. So probably, I think some inclination was there and I'm very grateful to my parents that even though they had limited means, they put me in an English medium school where the education, uh, you know, happens to be better in some ways. 
more holistic. And uh, that was for the first six years after that, I shifted to Kendra Vidyalaya. And uh, fortunately, I was okay in studies. I was good, reasonably good in studies. And I remember one of my teacher telling me, these kind of inspirations that come from teachers have a very powerful influence on a child's mind, yeah, encouragement. So uh, in those years in Dehradun, I, I really had a wonderful time as a growing child, you know, sensing something beautiful about nature. But then uh, seventh onwards, I was in uh, Kendra Vidyalaya in various parts of North India. That was uh, normal uh, schooling, but no indication that I had any particular interest in science. I, ju I just uh, somehow wanted to study. Right. Uh, although I was doing a little bit of sports for fun, like football, mm -hmm. uh, for example. But I, I there was something that I must do well in studies. And I think uh, that also comes, uh, uh, I think, if you're, if you're from a lower middle class family where means are limited and you see friends around you in the school who come from more affluent families, there is something inside you that I can also do well. I want to do well. So parents, when they, parents are very encouraging. Yes, you must study, you must work hard, you must do well in your class and all that. So that, that helped. I somehow, uh, I found myself to be a, you know, very studious. I don't know whether that's good or bad. I wanted to do well in studies. I was very fond of mathematics. But you know, my physics was not good. I, I have made silly mistakes in my physics. I remember, you know, maybe I'll tell you sometime, very common sense errors. So the, that is that. So after 12th, getting selected to IIT and then the rest I've told you. Right. Then the PIFR phase began in 1984. So uh, out of these 37 years, what was the best time that you've had? Like if this wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't be here at, right now at this moment stage. You mean uh, academic discoveries or finding wise? Or any, or, if any, uh, if any moment that changed your life, uh, that okay. any significant. Hey, one very fortunate thing is, I mean, I'm grateful to my institute and the people who supported me, I don't know whether I really deserved it. I was given a regular, a permanent academic position at TIFR just after my PhD. Wow. 1989. So we, we don't do that these days. So that was very unusual. And I'm really, really grateful that that happened. It, it you know, it gives me a position. My parents I'm 27 years old. My parents, uh, my father had already retired from the army. They retired early, as you know. And I was the eldest of four children. So they were concerned. When will you, when will you get a job? <laughs> so fortunately, I, even before I went for a postdoc for one year to ICTP, uh, 3SD, I had a job. And that, uh, that has been a blessing. It, uh, it gave me a platform to uh, do my research. And fortunately, the, throughout my theme was that same question which first came to me around class 12 or early in IIT, how did the universe begin? Right. It was still the same question. I, we don't, I don't have the answer, <laughs> but you know, it has been an interesting journey. Throughout, I have been chasing uh, that uh, one question and uh, around uh, the year 2000 uh, so I'll also, you know to answer this question how did the universe begin you need to have a quantum theory of gravity everybody right. knows that possibly also unification and those are the things i was trying under professor padmanabhan's supervision and then beyond in the early years of my PhD. 
around the year 2000, I became very frustrated with all these attempts, you know, whatever was popular then. Um, I said, uh, this is not, I don't like it. This is not how one should quantize gravity. So I gave myself a few weeks off to not calculate, but to think, what, what is the problem? What? So then I had one realization that is in around the 2000, I still have it in my notes with a date, that uh, quantum theory depends on an external classical time. No, uh, when you write down the Schrodinger equation, physics students will know there is a del psi by del t. That t, that time, is classical. It is not an operator. It is not quantized. It is part of a classical world, mm. classical space time. But classical space time and classical bodies are a limiting case of quantum theory. Right. So the theory is depending on its own limit. Mm. And that is not the most satisfactory mm. way to formulate the theory. You, you see what I'm saying? Right, right. So you have to have another formulation of quantum theory, which does not depend on classical time. Okay. A reformulation. Mm -hmm. That has been my theme theme I am chasing since the year 2000 and in the few since you asked that is the turning point yeah. in the thought process it was very important to come to that realization and then chase it I have not found too many physicists putting it this way that there should be a reformulation of quantum theory without classical time so they say oh if you remove time, how will you have evolution? Right. So, you know, obviously, that is the question. I know that is the question, but you have to find answer to that question. So there are answers how to find that when you remove time, some other absolute time shows up. Okay. But that is what I call a turning point. And the other turning point for me, I mean, others may not agree, uh, was in January... Last year, January 2021, I have it on my website. The date is January 7. I derived the formula for fine structure constant from my approach. You know, the famous one by 137, which right. is a mystery. So I, I believe that is correct. I'm still in the process of convincing others. For me, that was a big turning point that I became confident that and there may be some truth in the approach that I am following to quantum gravity. The same approach, reformulate quantum theory without classical time. So in the academic world, yeah, these were the, you can say, three major events. Being given a job, permanent job at TIFR, then realizing how the main question of quantum gravity, in my opinion, and then this fine structure constant. Uh, so you took a sabbatical for a year and then rejoined back as a faculty at AFR? Yes, yes. I was there in ICTP. Uh, Professor Salam was there at that time and Professor Dennis Shyama, uh, who was at CISA and ICTP. Shyama was, uh, of course, you know, Dennis Shyama. He supervised Stephen Hawking. And also was a close associate of Roger Penrose. Wow. Professor Shyama unfortunately died young, sometime in the 90s. Okay. Um, but you know, very, very inspiring and you know, affectionate, fatherly figure, very encouraging. So it was a good fortune to know him. Uh, so yeah. So you said you have three siblings. So are they also into science or what are they pursuing? No, my, I have a younger brother who uh, teaches uh, uh, English in a school in Sonipat. He's very fond of his job. He loves to teach. And I have two younger sisters who are uh, you know, homemakers. Okay. And uh, there isn't really a close relative who is in basic sciences. A lot of people are engineering and doctors, but I 
I don't recall. Uh, so, is there any specific uh, thing you remember recall that as an outsider with no scientific background in the family and stepping into science? For example, if someone's parents are in science background, so they get kind of a little advantage, kind of uh, yeah. that they can. So, yeah. what was that thing in, uh, with you? Yeah, that, my my parents were worried while you're leaving chemical engineering and going to you know BSc physics that won't pay you so well. But they were kind to me. They had to sign, you see, they had to sign papers saying I approve my wards change from chemical engineering to physics. So my father signed, very supportive despite his fears. So obviously I'm extremely grateful to him that he led me, let me do it. I don't remember whether the relatives said anything, but you know, as they say, you know, if you are successful, people have, say good things. Well, he's a scientist. Maybe nowadays, you know, I don't know, scientist doesn't have such so much value in the country. I don't know, maybe you can tell me your perception. But those days, you know, if you're a student in Narlikar's group, then Narlikar's very famous, and uh, even Padmanabhan. So he's a student in Narlikar's group, or oh, he's a scientist at TIFR. So the people somehow then make a good uh, image. Uh, I don't think I came across this, that scientists are paid less and they are not as good or smart as engineers or doctors. There used to be a lot of respect and support for scientists in India in the 80s and 90s. Maybe it is coming down. Uh, you, you are young, so you will have a perception how scientists are. But there's no opposition from, of course, colleagues also. You know, my supervisor, Professor Padmanabhan, Thanu Padmanabhan, who you know, unfortunately passed away last year. He was also from a lower middle class family. Similar, maybe, you know, very, very limited means. But, you know, they are family from Kerala very academic, father was, Padmanabhan's uh, uh, father was very fond of mathematics, good at mathematics, wanted to do research in uh, <clears throat> mathematics, but because uh, of financial problems could not, but really encouraged his uh, son Padmanabhan to go in for mathematics, physics, whatever he likes. So we got along well, Paddy was only five years older than me, we got along well, I, you know, because the background was also matching. And if you look at the typical family background of TRFR students and scientists, they are often from very modest uh, background. So this, this problem is not there. They, you'll find so many people who are the only one in the family who is into science. So that way, the atmosphere here at TRFR in the 80s, and 90s was very supportive and uh, yes there's no problem and how is the administrative pressure at tf at tfr as compared to universities public or private admin pressure meaning uh, as in the administrative work. having to contribute to administration right right i think uh, there are enough physicists here and the job can be shared. Uh, if you don't want to do an administrative job and if you are doing serious science, you can justify your case. Oh, I have not, to be honest, done much admin work. Uh, um, uh, in fact, even teaching load has not been very high. I again have to give it to the Institute that despite certain reservations I've had of late. I have been given all the time I need, 24 seven, I can do my research. I live next to the Institute. I have a good internet connection. I have decent campus housing and good institutional facilities. I couldn't have asked for more, you see. And if I don't want to teach uh, or just want to guide students, that also, I'll be, I've been left alone. 
so i have uh, these facilities may not have easily come uh, abroad where in a sense life is harder you see but here if you have a decent salary you will get uh, home help to look after the house you know the indian uh, setup your spouse can also work and uh, uh, any help you want is available so right. this all the, I, i i have if i am not doing well i have only myself to blame so i have i have some reservations about how the academic system has evolved maybe we come to that later or maybe we don't talk about it but i have been given all my time to do my work and that is how i could do it you see i'm really grateful to be paid to do my hobby <laughs> <laughs> very nice and what is what has what is the experience or what is it uh, like how does it feel to guide a phd student yes uh see first thing i must say the student must be good i will not means my words the student who is doing theoretical physics theoretical high energy physics has to be good at mathematics has to be good at mathematical physics has to be good in their work he he or she uh has to be very hard working and sincere and love what they are doing not every student is like that not every student we are selecting are like that but most of the i guided nine phd students almost all were very sincere and were with me because they loved doing what we were doing then it is a very positive experience um i must add to that another angle which produced a revelation for many a uh, no less importance i would give to my internship students who are not my phd students masters thesis with me for 6 months or a year i have to say honestly that my unconventional non mainstream research program has been pushed forward by these students in the last few years and there's a reason for that you know phd student has to make a career right i was in my early years of this program i didn't want i cannot put them i even though i might want to in something risky so all they also know that they don't want to work on quantum foundations they were risky means not enough job opening though i'm i i i don't like those kind of circumstances so my students worked on more safe areas quantum field theory in curved space conventional approaches to quantum gravity black hole thermodynamics cosmology that kind of uh, thing and uh, i did not although they were very good and they have done well they are well placed i did not build with them that kind of heart to heart repo about my true research program about reformulating quantum theory except in one or two cases and they also thought they, that maybe this is too risky so i didn't force them yeah but you know high risk high reward research some people should try and i think i'm happy that it has gone on that path so apart from my nine phd students i've had about almost of the order of 50 internship students over the years who have actually done well some have written papers with and i am very proud of these people you see many of them are extremely smart they are in their fourth or final or third year in their integrated masters program or bsc final year these children are very very smart they will learn quickly they will check websites of various faculty quantum foundations fascinates them new approaches to quantum gravity these kind of things i think they have a eye for it 
Right. They will come and criticize me. They'll find out loopholes in what I'm thinking. Help me. So this is a very rewarding experience, and it is. Or there is also a lesson in it. Where will they go after such a internship when they go for their PhD? Yeah. Not many people in the world are studying quantum foundations right. or new ideas in quantum gravity. Then you know. It's it's a serious situation. All jobs or openings are in other more established, right. what you can call mainstream approaches to quantum gravity and unification. So um, we do have a problem, but uh, interacting with good students. I emphasize the word good. See, if a student is not suitable for research even if you are interested please please don't go down that path you'll be frustrated you you need you need to get ideas you need to be able to calculate and do mathematical physics it is not for everyone and there, there's no need to feel bad you see in uh, the god has given us this or that kind of brain god meaning nature we have to accept it i'm not good at sport i'm not good at climbing mount everest or flying a plane, even if I want to. So I accept, I'm not good at that. Find out what you're good at and do that. Right. So uh, coming to quantum foundations, you said that how, why is it that many people are not pursuing this field? What is the restriction or uh, why is it the situation like this? I think the main reason is that there is no experiment which disagrees with quantum mechanics up until now. For most people, it would be that uh, if it agrees with experiments, I should try to push it as much as I can. That is not a bad viewpoint. Right. But I think a theoretical physicist ought to be doing better than this. If, if you are not making a progress, quantum field, quantum field theory is very successful for the other forces, electroweak force, strong force, lot of experimental confirmation, but the standard model still has 25 or 26 free parameters for which there is no explanation. Ring theory tried, but did not succeed. In the 80s, it was hoped that string theory will explain the standard model of particle physics. It has not done that. Despite 100 years of effort, we don't have a quantum theory of gravity. Right. In my opinion, after so many attempts, if you are still not succeeding, you should be asking, are there any foundational loopholes which need to be addressed? Right. And that is the path I took starting 2000. Till then, I never knew what is the quantum measurement problem. I'd heard it, but I didn't understand it. Right. And I also, along with other students and colleagues, used to make fun of quantum foundations. It was a bad word, you see. Oh, he's gone into quantum foundations. Huh? He's lost it. <laughs> That was the atmosphere. To some degree, it still is. But I, I, I learned, I read, I listened, I read Einstein. And by now, over years, I have come to appreciate Einstein's reservations about quantum mechanics. He's a genius, you see. He's not a disgruntled or disillusioned old man who was unhappy with quantum mechanics or disillusioned. Those are wrong words. It was very clear to him that quantum theory is approximate. That's what he says. It's not exact. It is an approximation to a more general theory. And we must find that theory. And you cannot find that theory by starting from quantum mechanics. You will have to start from somewhere else and derive quantum mechanics as an approximation. That has been a great inspiration for me. That And for me, that is the same path that there should be a way of quantum theory, writing quantum theory without classical time. 
this is how I interpret Einstein's uh, reservations about uh, quantum mechanics. So now, uh, why why is there a resistance to studying quantum foundations? I will be, I think, candid. Uh, it is a North American influence, in my opinion. You'll find very, very few physicists in the US who think quantum foundations is important. And I have read that that goes back to the Bohr-Einstein dialogues. You know, Einstein is saying quantum mechanics is incomplete. Bohr is saying everything is fine. Right. Complementarity principle. After the Second World War, when physics largely shifted to the United States from Europe, uh, people didn't want any foundational conversations or debates of the Bohr-Einstein kind, okay. because they found it is not leading to any progress. Right. You are all the time talking about interpretations measurement, wave function collapse, Schrodinger's cat. But are you making progress? That's a good point, actually. And then originated philosophically this phrase, shut up and calculate. Right. It was very right for the start period starting after the Second World War, because lots were happening. New particles were being discovered, right. neutrinos, other things, cosmic rays, muons. Quantum field theory was very successfully coming up. And Bohr sort of won. Let us develop quantum field theory, let us calculate. And very successful. You see, gauge theories, then came electroweak theory, QCD for the strong force. But notice there's a break. After around 1970s, if you notice, the standard model is where it was. It was ready then. Maybe we have found some more particles completed it, top quark, and the Higgs. Higgs was found later in 2012. But what is going on after 1970s? Uh, quantum field theory, in my opinion, as far as the standard model is concerned, is stuck. We have learned a great deal about techniques and applications of quantum field theory, including to condensed matter. But it doesn't seem to work for gravity. That is 50 years of being stuck, a very brave attempt by string theory, which in my opinion, has not succeeded. Hmm. At least it has not succeeded so far. Right. Some string theory should say it's young. It's 50 years old, but it is young. Give it another 50, okay, take another 50. But at least tell me why is it not working? You don't have a reason why it is not working. I claim I know why it is not working. It is because you have not asked these quantum foundational questions, which say I and some other physicists are asking. So it is like, you know, you are like this on pendulum was at one end quantum interpretations it swung to the other end, shut up and calculate. It is overgrown, it is too much still there, friction, inertia. People still want to shut up and calculate. And I have a joke, professor is saying, shut up and calculate. And student says, there is nothing left to calculate. <laughs> that is where it is, you see. You are calculating, you are calculating. You are, as Hassenfelder says, lost in maths. <laughs> but you are not making progress towards unification of gravity with other forces or quantizing gravity. Now, maybe people understand it, but the sociological thing, an economic thing, people want to keep on having their jobs, getting their grants. So uh, I'm unhappy with my American theoretical physics colleagues who keep insisting that all is well with quantum theory. It need it is exact. It is not approximate. Yeah. So whereas Europe is little more open about this, but very few physicists like Stephen Adler, Sheldon Goldstein, and a few philosophers in the U.S. who seriously believe that quantum theory is approximate. Yeah. 
And the US, as you know, has a very strong influence. They are funding their PhD positions. They have the world's best universities. They have students, postdocs, a lot of good faculty. If they as a whole continue to believe that quantum theory is fine and quantum foundations is not a very important subject, it influences the rest of the world, including India. You will hardly find anyone asking such quantum foundational questions in India. Europe is better. There are a few groups that are important experiments. I mean, I appreciate Europe for retaining that philosophical aspect of uh, theoretical physics research, which in my opinion is much less appreciated in the United States. Perimeter in Canada is an exception. It is it's more open. So uh, your answer to this question, why people don't appreciate quantum foundational questions more, they don't, they're not thinking. They're not thinking long enough or hard enough. They're not asking why have we failed? Why have we not been able to con? And there are groups, you see. There's a group on causal cells, there's a group on dynamical triangulation, there's a group on loop quantum gravity, a very strong group on string theory. They're not talking to each other. They're not talking to quantum foundations people. So one student wrote, academia is broken. This is what I take broken to mean. Everybody wants to quantize gravity, but they have different ideas how it should be quantized and they don't talk much to each other. And why is this communication gap? Why they don't talk? Right. Not that they don't want to talk. We have to publish. We have to satisfy our grant requirements. And maybe we are often extremely stubborn that my way is the correct way. This competitiveness and lack of experimental evidence for departure from quantum mechanics, lack of experimental evidence for quantum gravity. But I have a different way. I said, look at the standard model. It has 26 free parameters. We don't understand why it has this particular symmetries. This is data. The 26 free parameters of the standard model are data. You have to explain it. You have to explain why the fine structure constant is one by 137. And if you are not able to explain it, then you need to think. That is what I call a foundational question. Why, what has gone wrong in my theory because of which I'm not able to answer these uh, questions about the standard model. And uh, now a new line has come up. Some people have started anthropic principle and multiverses. There are many different uh, universes in which fundamental constants take different values. And uh, fine structure constant is one by 137 in our universe because otherwise we won't be there. Anthropic principle, uh, this, is, this is not physics. Where are the other universes? We have not seen them. And uh, can you show that uh, there will be different values? What is the probability? I, I, this is not physics. Physics would be asking foundational questions. Could it be that quantum theory is approximate? That is the path I have been chasing for 20 years. And at least I would like to believe that I've had some success in the last couple of years. And I'm quite happy with where I am. Great. And regarding this paper that you have published last year regarding the constant, uh, so can you describe in uh, very basic terms that uh, the derivation part in terms of so that even like in layman terms, what, uh, how is the, how that constant? Where came? are the values of these constants coming from? Right. Yeah, that, that is a very interesting uh, question. Thank you. And the answer actually is not difficult conceptually. It goes back to the same question about the conflict between quantum mechanics and the classical world. 
So the classical world is made of these large objects, stars, galaxies, and planets, and space and time. Space and time are also classical, simply meaning that you can say that this point in space has these coordinates, say x, y, z, t, and they commute with each other. X times t is equal to t times x, x times y. On the other hand, you have the quantum world, where classical laws, Newton's laws of motion do not hold. Position and momentum do not commute. They become operators or matrices. Q times P is not equals to P times Q. How can it be that space-time on which quantum particles like the electrons live, that space-time is classical and the quantum, the particles are quantum. Right. This is a contradiction. Yes. People will tell you, no, no, that is because gravity of an electron is extremely weak. But something, something is being lost there, which is what I think I have tried to overcome. That uh, a quantum system, which is in a superposition of two position states, like an electron here and an electron there, it will produce a gravitational field, which is a superposition of two gravitational fields. Right. One as if the electron was there, another if the electron was here. You see what I'm saying? Yes, yes, yes. So it is like, now if the gravity is weak, it does not follow, I can argue that, that when the gravity is set to zero, the space-time is just ordinary flat space-time of special relativity. It does not follow. Because as if I look at the position there and I let the gravitational field go to zero, I'll get a space-time which is determined by that location. Right. And if it is here, so the, the limiting space-time is a superposition of two different flat space-times. Okay. Now that may look very counterintuitive because two flat space times are, you know, identical. What 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 does it mean to superpose them? I can uh, make help you visualize that in the following way: that uh, point x one and point x two will no longer commute. That's the kind of even if an electron at low energies is in a superposition of two pole places. The space-time which it produces has points which no longer commute with each other. Okay. That is much more natural. That is a, it is still flat space-time, but it is a more fundamental description of flat space-time, what is called a spinner space-time or a twister space that Penrose invented. You know, if you are familiar with the Dirac equation, we Dirac derived the, his equation by taking the square root of the Klein-Gordon equation. Uh, because you know, only then you can describe fermions like the electron. So we took a square root of the Klein-Gordon equation, but we forgot to take the square root of flat space-time. I don't know if it is making some, uh, it's just a bit technical, is it? Um, a quantum system, which is in a superposition of position states, will produce a space-time, which is also in a superposition of different space-times. Okay. And that is not flat space-time, even in the low energy limit. It is... Uh, it is made, it is what we call a spinner space time. That is my main uh, progress that uh, uh, instead of describing flat space time using real numbers, X, Y, Z, T, I found a way to describe it using non-commuting numbers known as the octonions. Okay. So there are only four kinds of numbers in which division uh, multiplication, addition, and subtraction is possible. Okay. 
the real numbers which we use to describe space time the complex numbers which also uh, commute with each other and the quaternions and the octonions uh, in these four and eight dimensional numbers different directions do not commute with each other now something extremely interesting happens. Suppose you put an electron and a quark in the octonionic space. So first you put it in our ordinary space time. The, the electron and the quark, their charges have no relation to each other. Only from the experiment we know that the down quark has a charge one third that of the electron. The moment you put electron and quark in the octonionic space, these non-commuting properties of the space-time itself tell you that yes, the quark's charge is one third that of the electron. Oh, the space-time starts putting constraints on the particles because of its non-trivial structure. It is still a flat space-time only, but a more fundamental description of flat space-time, which if I average, I will get my ordinary flat space-time, Minkowski space-time. Okay, okay. Uh, I wonder if you get the picture. There is a description of flat space-time, which is more fundamental than its description using real numbers. Okay. And the description normally we have is based to using vectors, which are analogous, say, to the Klein-Gordon equation or Maxwell's equation. However, particles like electrons are fermions. They are described by mathematical objects known as spinners, which are different from vectors, like square root of vectors. So I'm saying when you have fermions, you should describe space-time also by spinners, Spinner. yeah. not by vectors. When you describe the space-time of fermions by spinners made from the octonions, it seems that all these 26 parameters of the standard model will now get fixed. Oh, great. They are not free. It is like if you look at water in a bottle and you see Brownian motion of a pollen grain. You won't know why that random motion is happening until you look closely and you see there are molecules hitting randomly. It is the same thing. Look at Minkowski flat space time very closely and you see structure because it is described by spinners and try putting electrons and quarks there, you will be forced to conclude quantization of charge. That is where the value of the fine structure constant comes from. Okay. You see what I'm saying? This is kind of, so this is very kind of revolutionary work if I can say. I would like to say that, but you know, we have to convince the community. I think it's very important. So why is it that you're not getting uh, like support from your colleagues on this work? Colleagues meaning at uh, my workplace or in the community? Yeah, like even your workplace and the community, there is kind of lot uh, even the... Yeah, my workplace, I would be honest, is string theory dominated. Hmm. And we have a very strong clash of ideology. Uh, you know, string theorists, as I told you, would like to believe that string theory is the ultimate theory of nature and that quantum theory should not be modified. In my work, quantum theory automatically gets modified because I write it on this octonionic space. I don't write it on ordinary space time. So, and there is resistance to that. Okay. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's just ideal. You know, lot of human sociology, uh, ego, human right. ego, arrogance, mm. not listening to the other person, all that comes into play. So I'm, I'm not happy, but there is, there is slow response coming from Europe, 
say a little bit from Russia, but not much from the US. They are, they, they are, they are very rigid. So they tell me that my work is too speculative. It is vague. It is not rigorous. So, you know, there is a, there is a conflict going on. Right. I'm saying it's rigorous enough. Come and argue with me. But they don't want to talk. It's like, you know, if you don't look, you can <laughs> pretend that it is not there. <laughs> right. So let's see how, let's see how it plays out. I'm satisfied with the work. I'm not that happy with the resistance offered by journals. We have another big problem in India. We will not accept something unless the West accepts it. Right. We don't think much for ourselves. That also upsets me. You know, I have all the freedom here in TI for all the time. I don't have to ape the West. Right. True, quantum mechanics came from there. Relativity came from there. But it does not follow that quantum gravity will also come from there. We are stuck. Think. We have to think. Right. So uh, to summarize what I was saying, it is usually said and believed that uh, quantum gravity effects on the standard model are important only at the Planck energy scale. I'm saying this is wrong. And Penrose would support what I'm saying because he has been saying the similar thing that uh, even at low energy, if a quantum system is in a superposition of two position states, you no longer have classical time because two space times have been superposed. So the concept of classical time and a classical clock is lost. Okay. And hence, one should work with a non-commutative space-time, which I found is the one described by octonions. Okay. So electron does not live in four-dimensional space-time. It lives in an octonionic space-time. And from the octonionic space-time, you can build the four-dimensional space-time. Okay. Got it. And this is important even at low energies like at the LHC. So the reason why there are so many free parameters in the standard model is because we are not describing quantum space-time the way it should be described. Okay. Now, this is a new idea. Some people are willing to see its significance. Others are ignoring it. I don't know why. So it is in that, that's in a state of flux. There is resistance. Uh, the, when a referee rejects my paper, they just will say things like, this is hand-waving, it's numerology, it is speculative. So, you know, it's, it's an idea in a, who, it has been presented, some of it is published, and uh, there is also resistance. So we'll see how it evolves. So I was watching a video where they were talking that this peer review system, like how science is different from academia, like a cat in peer review system is kind of academic structure. So that is useful, but we shouldn't entirely depend on it. So we should give way to new ideas so that they can also be published because if some already expert, it does not exist to particular field because that is, uh, that is new. So obviously that won't be peer reviewed. Yeah. Right. And, you know, blind, one-way blind peer review. The reviewer knows who I am, but yeah. I don't know who the reviewer is. So, face-to-face, uh, -face frank dialogue is not possible. A reviewer who's anonymous will say things which he or she will not say to me face-to-face. Ah, face-to-face, right. right. it's a very interesting idea. Please pursue it. <laughs> So when you get upset or so you, when you want some time off away from this academic uh, structure, so what do you do? What are your hobbies and how you spend the, your free time? I'm not a good model or example of hobbies. It changed over age. When I was younger, there was more traveling, uh, going to places with good natural beauty, maybe playing some tennis. 
reading a lot of literature, including popular science books. But right now, I maybe become more lazy. That's why I'm not a good model or not a good example. I just am thinking about my work all the time. I will just lie down and sleep and doze and, you know, daydream, maybe do a little bit of exercise or try to play the keyboard, but little things. I'm, I don't have any great successful hobbies which I've developed. I, people should not be like this. People <laughs> should have hobbies. Many people do. They will go mountain climbing. But I find myself in a very strange situation. I'm going to be 60 this year. That is when they say that, you know, your physics is all done. You should have done it before you turned 40. You won't get anywhere now. But I find that, no, this is my best time. I started when I was 40. That is when I had my good idea that there should be quantum theory without classical time. I'm not very bright, takes time. 20 years have passed, but it is now bearing fruit with the help of students who calculate. Sometimes I do the fine structure constant calculation I did myself. But that is because I had a very uh, an idea which I believed in very strongly. And I think it uh, worked. And uh, so I, my situation is peculiar. I'm not saying it is great or not great. Many physicists at 60 might be slowing down, but not everyone. You know, There are others who work till 80, people far, far better than me, people like Steven Weinberg, working till 88, you see, working till his last few months, and many other such examples. And recently a Nobel Prize was announced and the person who was awarded the, the, on the telephonic call, he said that I am 93 and I am uh, still working on a solar a solar energy paper. Yes, yes. There are, there are, as with medical science advances, people's health improves. There is medicine to keep you going even if you have some problem in old age. So uh, I am beginning to believe that at least in theoretical physics, probably true in experimental physics also, there is no age limit. It's up to you. If your brain keeps working, you work. Maybe your brain will not uh, work that long, but that, right. what happens to most people, they lose steam, they lose interest. Yeah. And uh, that's upsetting, you see. You'll find many such examples in India and maybe elsewhere. You get an award, you want to become a director, you become more interested in administration, you leave physics to younger people. But that's a wrong, that's a choice we made. Maybe it's not, I think it's not a good choice. Yeah, older people in, in research institutes have to continue to be excited about physics like they were in their younger days so that they can inspire younger people. Why do our young aspiring researchers prefer to go abroad. They don't find us inspiring enough. Right. Who will not want to stay in their own country, close to their parents and family? Right. The Americans get to stay in their country. They don't come to India. <laughs> Our students would also love to stay here, but right. unfortunately, we are not able to inspire them. And that is our failure. Right. And that is because, I don't know, someone said that because we are a developing economy, people, research is also a career. We have to have a you know, reasonable amount of money. And with that, maybe decoration, awards, promotions, directorships, vice chancellors. So research becomes a career. Uh, and as Einstein would say that research is a noble uh, exercise provided it is not your means of earning. Which is a good point. Right. Suppose you had some other way of earning. You were very rich and your family was taking care of your living expenses. Then if you do research, uh, you will not be in the rat race in that sense in terms of grants. Right, right. 
and then they they have this liberty to even explore the these new ideas this so called risky yeah. things that yeah so it's not it's not a good situation it's too fractured right i don't see what will bring us out i have no i have no idea and and if what we we are eventually going to need is an experiment which overthrows the current dominance of relativity and quantum mechanics i think that will happen because there are reasons very strong reasons in my mind to believe that quantum theory and relativity both are approximate and i would like to believe i have made some progress but uh, who is to say how all this will shape up i don't know right so uh, that would be a very good point to end the discussion and before that i would like to ask you what would be that one life lesson that you would like to give the young career researchers or even students who are entering this field of research in theoretical physics or in general i would place maximum em- emphasis on academic honesty by which i mean ask your questions look for honest answers don't go by what others are saying if you want if you want to answer the question why does the electron have the mass it does go ahead ask that question find your answer not someone else's answer unfortunately this is hampered by you know as i said you need funds you need salaries so there is a contradiction you have you land up doing young people land up working on older people's ideas that is the only way they will give you a salary <laughs> but as far as possible i would still say if you can face the pain and hardship follow your line of thinking contest the system only if we contest the system can we break it when you go for a phd it should not be that your phd has to be on your guy's idea if you are good you should be given 5 years to explain the mass of the electron maybe you will make some progress and then you should be given a postdoc according so for follow your line of thinking honestly and i have to protest the system so i have come here to do my phd you have selected me but i will work on my idea not yours right thank you so much sir so it was a very intriguing discussion and thanks for explaining this work, uh, your work especially i would really look forward to that the community you uh, community supports you in that particular work to me it sounds really revolutionary to have that all figured out thank you so much for joining thank you thank you thank you very much for having me it was a pleasure talking to you thank you thank you sir. hope you loved the episode subscribe to our show and see you next saturday